Welcome to another episode of the Global Startup Movement. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz. We are now six days away from our first ever Global Startup Summit, a seven-day virtual conference featuring 35 global experts and 14 startup spotlights hosted by yours truly. We are kicking things off with Africa Day on February 18th, so be sure to claim your free spot at globalstartup.tv. Today's episode is one more sneak peek into one of my favorite talks from the summit, an in-depth roundtable discussion with leaders in the Caribbean startup community featuring my good friend Ramfus Castro from Puerto Rico, Michael Edwards, professor at the University of the Bahamas, and Jorge Vargas, the founder of Venture Studio based in the Dominican Republic. The Caribbean has faced decreased availability of funds from development finance institutions like the World Bank over the past few years, and this discussion is really focused on how the countries in the Caribbean can do a better job of connecting entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem builders across the region to really form a more unified Caribbean startup ecosystem as a whole. It's definitely an important conversation for the future economic growth of the region, so I wanted to make sure that we featured it this week on the podcast but be sure to attend the Global Startup Summit next week for the full conversation. So now let's dive into my conversation with Ramfus Castro, Michael Edwards, and Jorge Vargas on the Caribbean startup ecosystem. Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide. From Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond, here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. All right, so we are live with Michael Edwards from the Bahamas, Jorge Vargas from the Dominican Republic, and Ramfus Castro from Puerto Rico. Uh, today, we will be discussing, you know, really how all the Caribbean countries and ecosystems can come together to form a more unified Caribbean startup ecosystem uh, and really creates a better environment for investors and potential funding from organizations like the World Bank. And so we'll start this off with just a, a little intro from each of you. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, your organization that you're a part of, and kind of where you're sitting in the world. So Michael, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. So I'm based in the Bahamas. Um, I wear two hats. I'm a professor at the University of the Bahamas in a very small department, uh, fine arts, uh, visual studies department, I should say, um, and, and doing a lot of work on design and new types of design and, and what that means. And so um, a lot of the work that I'm doing is transitioning uh, um, this small department, um, working with colleagues to kind of incorporate um, non-traditional design, design, uh, you know, I guess, images, objects, um, but services, experiences, and thinking about ecosystems. And then on the other side of my hat, I'm doing a lot of work with startup um, entrepreneurship um, and creating new types of spaces, um, accelerators um, for, for venture development in the Bahamas. And that's, that's, um, that's a big muscle, right? That's a lot of work um, and a lot of, a lot of what I do. So snapshot. Awesome. Jorge, you want to go? Um, yeah, sure. So I also have uh, two hats, and I think most of us do. Um, we have uh, a nonprofit, and we have a for-profit side of things. Uh, in the nonprofit, we created a. We basically started with uh, Start a Weekend a couple 
years ago, back in 2012, uh, that has evolved into running several uh, programs for the ecosystem, uh, both small things like hackathons, starter weekends. Uh, we do events. We do Hackers and Founders, which is a monthly meetup. So there's a lot of community building in there. Um, we're also doing longer-term things like uh, pre-accelerator programs and things like that. Um, it's mostly either government-funded or sponsor-funded. Um, and that's kind of like one of the biggest things. The organization is, has grown quite a bit. Uh, we have over, you know, over 100 volunteers that organize all these different things. You know, it's, it's, it's quite a big movement in that sense. Um, and then on the, on the private side, um, we, well, first of all, uh, I, I do software. You know, that's my main thing. I have been running my own software company for several years now. And um, most recently, about two years ago, we started Venture.do. And Venture.do, it's a startup accelerator um, in basically the full sense. Uh, our goal is to eventually grow into uh, either a venture fund or some other sort of investment channel. And the other little branch of that, and I'll probably talk a little bit more about that, is called Phoenix which is uh, a specialized program into fintech because fintech is growing really well um, in the last couple of years here. Uh, Ramphis, go ahead. Sure. Um, Ramphis Castro here, um, originally from Guayama, Puerto Rico. Uh, and, you know, a few of my hats on the ecosystem building side in, in Puerto Rico. Uh, I mean, I designed and started different programs, I mean, everything from the Startup Weekends, the Founders Institutes, um, to more recently, to the Marquee Program that I'm involved with, I'm on the Civil Investment Committee for uh, a program called Parallel 18, uh, where we invest 40,000 uh, non-dilutive capital in companies, right, kind of five-month program. Uh, and that program now has been operating for about three years. There are about 160 companies, uh, about, 2030 million raised in following funding uh, and, and about 400 million or so in portfolio value. Uh, so we're proving out that you could, you know, companies from all over the world can come to Puerto Rico, not just Puerto Rican companies or companies from about 60 countries. Uh, and then the other hat is I, I run a, a deep tech venture capital fund called SizeVest. We invest in companies that are traditionally too early, we're kind of the first check site for these kinds of companies that are spinning out core technology and intellectual property from uh, universities. We invest everything from uh, drone AI platforms to uh, materials technology for truck delivery to uh, battery uh, technology for uh, electric cars. And then okay. I, I also sit on the board for the New York City Innovation Collective, which is a nonprofit that sits as an umbrella organization within the New York City ecosystem uh, for over 100 accelerators and incubators uh, within, within the ecosystem. And so, Ramphis, can you kind of dive into more of the, uh, the Parallel 18 program and really, you know, how that whole thing came together and, and really, like, what is um, what, what, what the success of it has been? Because it seems to me like a lot of the Latin American countries have um, really embraced this concept of, you know, doing these accelerator programs where they put in non-dilutive for equity free capital, like startup Chile is another great example of one of those programs that, I mean, it seems like it's doing a good job of attracting a lot of foreign entrepreneurs to at least come 
build relationships within the ecosystem. And then even if they leave, like, you know, the, the, the relationships that are cultivated and the opportunity that is presented to local entrepreneurs to kind of build this, this global network. Uh, I mean, it's, it seems to me like a, an ROI positive program. Absolutely. Um, I mean, from a straight up ROI standpoint, uh, about every dollar invested in, in the program, I mean, this is a government funded program. Um, uh, the, the economy gets about six, five to six dollars back um, from kind of the numbers. So the, the numbers are there. The children numbers are, are similar. Um, but how it came together, the sure version is, you know, I've been, you know, I, I, I started as an engineer by training. Right. So when and started my career at Microsoft, they came back to Puerto Rico. Uh, and when I built my tech companies, there was no no tech ecosystem uh, to speak of, no mentors, no investors, none of that. Um, and basically, after kind of exiting sort of my second company, started a lot of the work around ecosystem building, started weekends, getting sort of people committed together. Uh, and and the evolution, the, the natural evolution was to have a funding program that would sit within that first check world, right? I mean, in, in the ecosystem, uh, the biggest challenge is really that, that for there are a lot of challenges, but the biggest challenge um, uh, at the time was around that very, very, very first check uh, that would not be your, your traditional investor dollar. Uh, and at the time there was, this is you know, 2013, 2014, even earlier, the, the earlier, there were sort of the designs around what would that program be? Uh, and at the time, uh, this, you know, the, the sort of Brazil programs or Chile, some of these things were just, just barely sort of spinning up. Uh, and and we could improve. We kind of the thinking was around improving the, the the programs around specific gaps that they had. I mean, everything from you know the, the way the the money is dispersed. Uh, it's it's a lump sum instead of reimbursements. Uh, you know, it's Puerto Rico happens to have a relationship with the U.S. Uh, so companies that will go to the program will become essentially U.S. Uh, companies, not just uh, international companies, which would. Uh, Make, give them better and easier access to banking and, and all kinds of other uh, resources that uh, were available. Uh, and then we have built quite uh, a community, uh, not just on Puerto Rico, but uh, relationships from Silicon Valley in New York. Uh, and we could plug in uh, the right kind of investors and mentors and others from my network uh, and other networks to, to, come, to come in, right? To basically build from that trust to say, you know, these companies are companies that, you know, I've vetted, I've supported, uh, so come, even though you've never invested outside of the Valley, just come so that you can kind of see uh, and, and, and go from there. So, so the program design ended up uh, being a core part of one of the government administrations. Uh, and then because of its success, uh, when the government transition, which is extremely rare in Puerto Rico, the program was uh, maintained, uh, giving it then that additional layer of, of legitimacy locally. Uh, but then the way it's branded is in a way that entrepreneurs and others, uh, it's, it's not obvious that it is a government program, right? Instead of calling it Startup Puerto Rico, uh, it's sort of co-parlating um, uh, to signal that to the global kind of ecosystem, right? It was sort of a global, globally minded program. So, so by design, those are sort of how those, those things came together. Got it. And so Jorge, with, uh, with Venture Dot, or is venture.do, um, you know, what was the initial, like, did, did you pick a initial niche to focus on or like, what was the kind of um, the, the process of putting that together to kind of match the strengths of, of the Dominican Republic ecosystem? Um, right. So it's, it's a longer story, but you know, the short version is that um, we have done several different programs uh, pretty much like, like Ramfis was saying, 
Uh, at some point, we started bringing in Founder Institute. It didn't happen. Uh, we run our own program for about two years that was called Aceleración Alpha. You know, we, we, we basically, you know, tested several different things. And um, the current iteration, and maybe things will be a little bit different, but the current iteration that we're doing is that um, we figure out that there's, there's very scarce resources, right? The, 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 the biggest problem that we have here, and tapping a little bit uh, into what Ramfis was saying regarding, you know, investment and government commitment, um, the, the biggest problem that we have here is investment, right? Uh, so we designed the program in a way that is very cost effective. You know, we, we don't give, give out classes. We don't waste money on lunches and food and, and several different things. Uh, it's, it's mostly mentorship and trying to find the right connections. So it's a very, you know, um, money uh, scarce program. And so far it has been working very well. Um, and, and, both our programs, FinTech and non-FinTech, in the last two years. And we have a couple of good successes. Um, but, you know, nowhere near global scale. Probably our biggest uh, success is a company that has grown about, you know, six to eight times. There, but they're currently doing about you know, 40,000, 50,000 uh, per month in revenue, right? So, um, yeah, so that's kind of like where we are in that sense. Uh, tapping a little bit into what Ramfis was saying, um, I think that the biggest problem that we have locally is is exactly the, the investment part, right? Uh, our government is committed to entrepreneurship, but they're nowhere as, as committed as something like Parallel 18 in Puerto Rico. Um, there's a lot of uh, support. There's a lot of employees. But once you start talking about, you know, real investment money, once you start talking about 20, 50, 100,000, then that's that gets very very scarce right yeah and i mean it makes sense that you know one of the one of the biggest challenges to building a company in, in somewhere like a dominican republic is just uh, the small market size um now and, and that's kind of why we're having this conversation this conversation today where it's like how can we do a better job of connecting all the different caribbean ecosystems together to create a more unified market for entrepreneurs to attack because like 40 to 50,000 us dollars per month. Like that's, that's probably, you know, that that's a good run rate for uh, a market size of, of the Dominican Republic. Yep. Um, but not necessarily, uh, like if a startup in the U S I mean, that's a, that's a seed series, a stage startup, um, right. but you know, some of the challenges. So Michael, can you tell us a little bit about where we're at with the, uh, the ecosystem in the Bahamas? Obviously like it's a, it's a, a credible destination for vacations apparently a good destination for uh to, to put some money and to, uh source some money there so um can you tell us a little bit about you know where we're at with with startups in the area yeah yeah sure so on the surface the bahamas looks pretty good right i mean historically um if you sort of look at the numbers we kind of high uh per capita income we're on the third third border of the u.s um it's a great place to do investments, right? I mean, it's a small kind of population, only 500, under, under 500,000. Um, and so if you look at traditional investment as being really top down, right? Kind of huge, two, $300 million, a billion dollars coming in. Um, governments like that sort of thing. And really the philosophy has been around job creation. How can we create jobs as opposed to how do we create ownership and build wealth from the bottom up? So we've had this kind of top-down economy. 
right? Foreign direct investment, it looks great. Um, if you peel away the layers, right, we're challenged. Um, and so over the past 10, 12 years, um, there's been stagnant economic growth um, to the tune of, you know, we, we talk about 1.39%, 1.5%. I think the Bahamas will grow about 2% um, in the next year. And so that's not much. If you think about it, we're just 40 minutes away off the coast of Florida, that's kind of looking at double-digit growth. And so um, I, I think we're at the point where we're challenged, where we have to think about how do we kind of re-engineer um, the economy and think about bottom-up investments and kind of really putting in some serious work and creating um, new types of spaces where we can kind of kind of develop ventures and, and, and projects, right? And so that's really where we are. So over the past 10 years, I mean, there's been some green to read it, something called the Venture Capital Fund, which is really a seed fund to the tune of about $5 million to invest in small projects. Very small, that may be. I think the fund has been challenged, um, quite frankly, um, because of the types of projects that have come to the table. Um, and a lot of projects that come, they're not really investable, right? Um, and so you have a space where there's lots of capital on one hand, but there's not the quality of projects coming to the table that investors can really take a bite into. And so there's a gap, and that gap is really these new types of spaces, accelerators, incubators, that's really going to develop the kinds of projects that we need to see. And that's right. Really it. Um, and I mean, I, I can imagine that a big opportunity in the ecosystem would be to uh, you know, focus in on, on the niche of tourism, see if you can tie some of the, uh, the, the big hotels, the big hotels um, that are local there to some of the projects that are happening and you know, maybe ha have them give you some projects problems that they're facing that the entrepreneurs can, uh, you know, build solutions for. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's low hanging fruit, right? I mean, just to give you some numbers in terms of uh, the net import food bill of the Bahamas is north of a billion dollars, right? I mean, you have an island where you have to import everything that you consume, right? So we spend a lot of money on food, right? For the local and tourist market, a tourist market of about 6 million visitors per year. Um, on the other side, the domestic food production is about $180, $200 million. So if you think about that wide gap, right, between what we're producing on the ground locally and what we spend to feed ourselves and feed guests that come here, there's a huge opportunity around um, connecting buyers and sellers, logistics in the marketplace, food production, whatever that may look like. Um, that's low-hanging fruit. On the other hand, if you think about other areas or silos like energy, Right? There's a high cost of energy for a very long time. Um, just to give you, just to compare, I think we spend about 38, 40 cents per kilowatt hour. And so energy is a huge area in terms of individuals jumping in and taking advantage of those opportunities around alternative energy sources, um, whatever yeah. it may be. Um, and so that's just, that's just two examples. Um, and, and so um, I, I think the space is ripe. Um, to develop, um, you know, the ecosystem um, for projects to happen. So yeah, definitely. I mean, ener energy is a tough one. I mean, there are definitely there are definitely problems out there in the world that really can't be entrepreneured their way out of. And I mean, energy there's there, there's definitely opportunities there, but when it comes to these big infrastructure challenges, uh, you know, it's it it's 
it's tough. Like they're very, very complicated problems. Um, Absolutely. But yeah. yeah. So Ramphis, can you talk a little bit about some of the work that's being done to really create this um, pan-Caribbean alliance of ecosystems and kind of, you know, what are, what are the, the, the next steps over the next few years to really deepen the, the connections between the ecosystems in the area? I mean, I, I really think this is essentially the start, right? I mean, we, we've been having sort of some of this conversation, but, you know, there, there really hasn't been work where, you know, the ecosystems themselves uh, are, you know, are a stage uh, where we're, we're all sort of having a similar conversation to how we can help each other, right? I think, uh, as you've heard and have you seen, a lot of the ecosystems are very much in the very much early stages of, you know, getting the, the, the basics in place, right? Programs, mentorship, relationships with each other, uh, you know, learning about other programs outside of their ecosystems, all these sort of basics. Um, so we're, we're, we're in that place now where there's at least talent uh, on the ground that has a startup experience and, and ecosystem building experience. So now is where the opportunity sits for, for starting that conversation. This is actually the first uh, you know, chat that I've sort of been a part of uh, where there are sort of ecosystems that have, uh, ecosystem builders that have done that in their own countries. So moving forward, uh, it's really around, you know, how, how do we get everyone else on a call like this just to start uh, and then from there uh, decide, you know, share collective relationships on where, where the, the commitments are and the businesses are, right, in terms of what are some of the international organizations and Pan-Caribbean organizations, you know, what are they doing right and wrong? Generally, it's mostly wrong uh, when you think about the scale and you think about what everyone on the ground is, is up to and, and the kind of impact that they've had uh, versus the amount of dollars behind those initiatives. Uh, you know, a lot of these other organizations should be asking themselves, you know, why are they even there, right? Like, why, who are they actually serving? Uh, we're talking from a grassroots standpoint. Uh, and where we can, and from a pan-Caribbean standpoint, then we can uh, decide, you know, how can we, how can we serve as that committee, right? Is that as collectively uh, to support and direct uh, the sources of capital to the right uh, programs on the ground that have already proven to be effective. So, you know, we're in the early stages of having these conversations uh, and, and seeing kind of where that could lead just to just let people just know each other, kind of see their faces like, okay, you know, you you and others have done this in Cuba and the become Republic and Haiti and um, we're, we're just barely getting started there. Uh, and then over the next five, 10 years, it's really about uh, bridging the gap between, you know, on the capital and the execution side, right? That's, that's the biggest piece. It's, you know, making sure that the different sources of capital broadly, you know, personal investments, governments, uh, NGOs, and others uh, uh, know that all these different programs and, and opportunities exist, uh, and then move that conversation forward. Because from the, from the execution side and the talent side, you know, every, every one of us in this call knows that that's not the issue, right? I mean, I, I remember a few years back, when people would say, oh, you know, there's no deal flow uh, in, in Puerto Rico, whatnot, but now you have funds spinning up, right? But there was nothing. Like, where were they, right, uh, when, when things were getting started? So, you know, that part of the next five, ten years, it's more, it's, it's more about uh, making sure those, those companies exit and then recycle uh, that capital and those founders uh, to continue to build momentum across the region. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always the VCs complaining about quality deal flow and the entrepreneurs complaining about lack of, uh, lack of capital. So I think, and I think that's, that's something that needs to be, that's something that's really not talked about when you think the media landscape at scale, right? 
they, they're all these sort of cliches that get uh, echoed uh, over time when really it's, it's a limited partner relationships and, and how the sources of capital are, are being uh, uh, basically uh, educated into what, what the emerging opportunities are and the scale of the emerging opportunities when thought about from a, a, a sort of a regional pan-Caribbean sort of standpoint, similar to what was experienced in Southeast Asia uh, over, the past, over the past decade. Uh, and, and really uh, showcasing that uh, it's, it's a very different region. It's a very different approach. Uh, very, again, very similar to, to a fragmented uh, uh, market that needs a very special kind of founder that, has, that can actually build these companies across all these different regions. It's not just one unified region. It'll never be just as Southeast Asia will never mm. be a, a unified area, right? Every single country has its own uh, cultural specifics, norms, which is why there's such a big opportunity uh, for uh, thinking about it in, in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, when you think about when you think about the numbers of the Caribbean, um, just to follow up on that point, we're not very large, right? I mean, if you think about the English, Spanish, French, Dutch-speaking Caribbean, I mean, in total, I think we're looking at maybe 40, 40 million people, right? I mean, that's, that's a country, that's a small country. So when you think about projects that scale beyond the borders of, 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 a, of a country or an, or an island like the Bahamas, um, you're really talking about beta testing it, right? Testing the market, and then how do you move beyond the borders? Um, and so when you, when you think about, you know, how do you touch a million people, um, you know, some, some, conversations, some conversations go to how do you touch a billion people? How do you, how do you change the world, right? But if, you, if we can have a conversation, how, do you, how can this project touch a million people? That really goes beyond the Bahamas. And so a lot of the conversations that I have with, with, with entrepreneurs is really you have to think beyond the borders of the Bahamas. And so you have to think regionally. That's really your nest egg. Um, and that's simply it. Um, and so there is, to your point, Ramfus, yes, cultural sensitivity, right, or specificity. Um, and those are some of the things that we have to um, begin to think about. But absolutely, timely conversation, a kind of pan-Caribbean space conversation. Jorge? And, uh, no, I'd like to add something there. Um, and we get this all the time, you know, as being one of the bigger islands, both in population and size. Um, we get paired a lot with Central America. So a lot of, of our upstarts, you know, the, probably, you know, these older companies that they were startups before it, you know, was cool to call yourself a startup. You know, companies that have been around for maybe five to ten years. Uh, they're growing outside uh, of the Caribbean to, to Central America, to Costa Rica, Honduras, Guatemala, you know, because they're bigger markets. And, and that's something that we also need to, to look at, you know. Um, in our specific case, uh, both uh, culturally and language, it's easier for us to go to Central America than to go to some of the other smaller islands. Um, and, and that's something that uh, can definitely be replicated. We, we have a lot of uh, companies here that basically all they do is that they import things from outside of the Caribbean and they, they redistribute to the smaller islands. That's one of the, like, you know, it's a big market uh, uh, both uh, products and services. And, and that's an interesting niche. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting way of growing because we definitely need to think even outside of the Caribbean, I'll say. We need to talk about Latin America. We need to talk about Central America. We need to talk about ways of how we can expand uh, outside of our regional borders. Uh, 
But then if you go back to how things are done locally, and this is probably one of the biggest problems that several of our companies have, is that you need to tailor your company in some way in order for it to work in the local market, that it will not scale outside of the local market. So this test that we are supposed to be building sometimes gets too, too narrow, too constrained to how the specific system works. Then you have this bigger of you know starting all over when you're going to expand. You know? um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a big challenge. You know, it's it's not the same as you know the the probably the, 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 the you know the the Facebook where they were just opening different universities. It's it's a totally different thing. As as, as Rafi was saying, you know, opening each one of the Caribbean countries, opening each one of the Latin which is basically a company um, with a set of different, uh, you know, with cultures. And that's on digital companies, that there are companies that start being digital, that there's no really um, any reason for you to be here other than you want to be here. And one of the things that I didn't mention at the start is that several of our companies are just U.S.-based companies. We are registered there because we can raise funds, we can do besting, we can do several things that the local law we do get the benefit cheaper. The little money raises. Yeah. I mean, it, so it's, I mean, it's tough because I, I don't know that it makes, um, I mean, when you're looking at a company sitting in the Bahamas or Puerto Rico or Dominican Republic, whatever it may be, it's hard to make a case for them to expand country by country across the Caribbean, as opposed to, you know, instead just attacking a market like the U S or Mexico or, or a much bigger market. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, I think I would, that's where, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry, finish your thought. Well, I was just going to say, I would imagine a, a, a B2B facing company might have a little bit of an easier time doing that as opposed to consumer facing. That's just true. because, I mean, like, the, like, like you all said, the cultures are so different that like a consumer facing product, what might work in Dominican Republic? I don't know if it would make sense. Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at andberk. That's A-N-D-B-E-R-K. To see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world.